Welcome to Godsplaining, contemplative preachers, contemporary age. Each week, join the Dominican friars as they consider all things Catholic. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Godsplaining. This is one of our special monthly episodes, which we have so cleverly named Guestsplaining, where we invite a voice that is not a Dominican friar to the show. Uh, but first, an introduction of your friar voices. My name is Father Patrick Mary Briscoe, and I'm so glad to have you listening to this episode or joining us on YouTube. Thanks to the magic of internet telephony, you can see our faces. Uh, the other friar voice on this episode today is Father Jacob Urchin Jancic, the vocations director of the province of St. Joseph. Say hello to our listeners, Father. Hi, everyone. It's good to be here. It's great to be here. We're back on Zoom, uh, Father Patrick and I here, so we're back kind of retreating into the cave, contrary to what Plato would encourage us to do to sort of climb out of the cave into the light. So if we're looking a little more um, less attractive, it's because of Zoom tech problems. There we go. But as you know, because you've listened hopefully to more than one episode, our tech savvy is at zero, level zero. So we're getting there. Yeah, it's sort of a, you know, progression of sorts. Anyway, today we are so excited to have joining us, um, despite, despite all of these things, uh, Mr. Kaiser Johnson. Kaiser um, has had a remarkable experience of life in the church and um, has a very interesting career, uh, all of which he will tell us about. So Kaiser, welcome to God's Playing. Well, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm jazzed to be here still. So. Kaiser, where are you joining us from? This is part of our charm. You know, we often like to introduce that I'm in Providence or Father Jacob Bertrand is in Washington. Where are you? Well, right now I'm in uh, Phoenix, Arizona area. So, um, nice. yeah, no. I, I, I lived, uh, I've lived all over the Los Angeles area for the last 12 years or so. Um, and uh, right now we are spending some time in, in the Phoenix area. I don't know if anyone... Um, has paid any attention to what's gone on in, across the world and across the country and uh, particularly in LA over the last uh, oh, 14 months or so. Um, LA got crazy. So we're here in, uh, in Arizona, which is nearby enough for us to go over and work in LA, but um, you know, it's just a, a little more same. So. Yeah. I mean, now that's important for you, right? As a family man, I presume that that was what you, that was the decision you felt like you needed to, to make for your family. Yes, absolutely. That was, uh, you know, my wife and I were talking throughout last year. Um, and I mean, LA was crazy last year for, for, for two months, my wife and our, our, at that time, one and a half year old daughter didn't leave the house. They did not leave our apartment. Um, and it was, it was crazy. And, and, um, um, so we just, you know, felt like we needed a place to be that was, um, where there was a little more space, a little more uh, openness, a little more family uh, values, and and um, this place supportive of of us, you know, just living a, a regular life, even in the midst of um, life not being regular. And, right, uh, right. So, um, and but we still wanted to be close enough that we could still be working uh, when when jobs came up and that kind of thing. And so um, we found that uh, that. Phoenix, Arizona was, uh, was close enough. We can take a 45 minute flight and be back in Burbank. Um, and, uh, that actually is a shorter commute than, um, when we were living in Marina del Rey in Los Angeles. Wow. Yeah. No kidding. That's crazy. Dang. That's, that's a, uh, like a, a 20 mile, 25 mile drive from Marina del Rey on the far West side of, of LA to Burbank on the far East side of uh, LA. Um, 
it takes it, in rush hour it took longer than flying back from phoenix so that's wow crazy. yeah Man, that's incredible I thought so. DC was traffic. Well, I know I know LA traffic is bad, but living in DC, DC traffic can be pretty miserable, but I don't think it really compares to that. So glad that you can get on a plane and get to work more quickly than hopping <laughs> in your car. It's that's it's crazy. crazy. Yeah, that is the truth. So yeah. So living in Phoenix, but you mentioned a couple of times and we were just talking about you're working in LA. Um, mm-hmm. you've quite the quite the resume, kind of a varied resume too, from some acting and writing and and speaking and these kind of things. I guess catch us up on on what you do on, on those sort of things. Why going to LA? What, what's going on in your life? What are you working on? Yeah. So, uh, well, you're right. It is kind of a varied, uh, thing. So, um, in addition to writing, uh, nonfiction books, um, I also am currently working on fiction series. I've written sketch comedy and, and, uh, a lot of stuff where I, you know, I both act and write on a, a Catholic series that uh, Family Theater uh, produces in Hollywood. Um, actually, I'm going back at the beginning of June to shoot some more of that. Um, and that's called Catholic Central. Um, and yeah, do some writing for that. And also um, am one of the, the two hosts of that um, with along with Libby Slater, um, who's just an awesome person and you should know that. Um, and, um, and so I, I do that. Um, and then I, I act on camera in, um, movies, TV shows, uh, and then I do a lot of voiceover. So um, that's been, especially during pandemic and so many things being shut down and, and that kind of thing. Um, I've done a lot of that uh, video games and, and you know, animated shows and some commercials and, and that kind of thing. So um, yeah, kind of all over the place. But uh, if it's in anything that could be construed as, as entertainment, I'm probably- Give a hand in it. Yeah, that's awesome. What are some of the what are some of the on screen stuff that you've that you've done? Well, I know one that sticks out in my mind. So maybe. And what's maybe, that one? Well, Stranger Things, of course. It's one sure. of yeah. It's it's a great <laughs> great series, you know. So um, yeah. yeah. So you were on Stranger Things a bit, right? Yeah. So I was in episode three of season three of Stranger Things, um, and um, that was a, t- a ton of fun to to be on. I mean, um, everyone there, I think. I think everyone there who is on the show and who works works on the show is realizes what a cool opportunity it is to to shoot something that's set so firmly in in the '80s and that kind of thing. And they really um, the the Duffer brothers, you know, really have a. Um, I think it was I I don't remember. Uh, there's a German term for like being involved in every aspect of of production. Um, I think it was something that was related to. Wagner and and how he you know planned everything out he did everything on his his shows when he was writing them um but uh that's a lot of (laughs) the Duffer Brothers you know my role on there was not a big role it was you know I was there for one day and um and you know I'm in the show for three and a half minutes or something like that um but after I went to uh hair and wardrobe and and um and spent my first day there and you know they they sent photos to the Duffer brothers and they were like here's what Kaiser's going to look like and um and you know here's 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 what we've got for him for a wardrobe and here's what we've got for him for hair and and makeup um and on a lot of shows if you sent that to the producers of the show they'd be like oh, why are you sending this to me? <laughs> the director of the episode is going to handle that. I don't care, you know. Um, but the Duffer Brothers were, you know, like immediately responding. They said, "Oh no, no, no! Here's the look we're going for. It's an homage to to Die Hard. Make him look like this guy." 
Um, and so they, they sent it right, like right back. And they're like, okay, Kaiser, come back into the trailer. We're going to have redo everything. So, um, it was, it was fascinating to see how really they, and, and again, there's that kind of attention to detail that every single person on the production, um, puts into it. So it, it's, it's just a, it was a ton of fun to work on. So, yeah. It's very awesome. Cool. But I presume a lot of our listeners though, would know you from unplanned, you know, which is, of course, such a such a, a faith based story. I mean, it is a story of faith and, and has an important pro life message. Um, can you lead us through Kaiser a little bit about um, how your faith animates uh, what you do and all, all of your efforts as a Catholic actor? Sure. Uh, so, what you know, it is a, it's a fascinating question because um, I think if you ask me, depending on the day, my answer is going to be wildly different. Um, and <laughs> sure, okay. Um, so on, on a very base level, like I think about, um, it's very easy to fall into the temptation as um, someone in something that a lot of people can see, um, whether they do or not, that's a different question, but a lot of people can see um, things. It's, it's easy to get to a point of going, well, I'm, I'm, it's my, my work is being used for good. And that's the most important thing about it. And this is my vocation is to bring people to God through the great work that I do in my acting and, and, um, and, or, or my writing or whatever. And um, I remember being in confession with a priest um, a year and a half ago. Uh, and, and, you know, he was familiar with the, the work that I've done. And, and um, uh, we were at the Religious Education Congress in, in, in Anaheim. Oh, nice. Okay. Was, I was there for Catholic yeah. Central. Um, and, and I was confessing to him. And, and um, you know, he said in, in confession, he said, it's really important to remember that the work, just because you do good work, it's very different from doing good and from being good. Mm. And um, I was like, wow. Not pulling any punches there, are you, Father? Okay, I got it. <laughs> I'm reading you loud and clear. Um, but it was it was an, it's an important message because I think it's so easy to to um, to make the work that we do more important than who we are in our work. Um, and yes, there is certainly a call to to all of us to you know we're made in the image and likeness of God, and so there there is a call to all of us to be creators. Uh, and I think first and foremost, um, and, and to be, to, to take part in that creation of God, you know, and, and God shares that with us, I think maybe most obviously in the creation of, of new immortal souls of, of you know, um, children, um, but also in, in the creation of, of all things life-giving. And so there's, for, for artists um, and, you know, one of my favorite authors, G.K. Chesterton, would say that every, you know, that all humans are, are called to be artists, that art is the signature of man, he says. Um, and uh, so, but there's, there's a special call in, in that artistic um, calling, boy, I'm overusing that word now, um, but to, to image this creative uh, love of, of God. And so that's a, a calling that I have to be aware of in, in, in the work that I do, but um, at the same time, it is just work. Um, in the best of times, it can be very good work and it can affect people and that kind of thing. But at the same time, it's just work. It is right. a way that I, it, my call, I shouldn't 
give it a higher place of prominence than the fact that it provides for my family and it provides for my real vocation. And so I don't know if that answers the question, but yeah, no, it certainly did. No. And I really appreciate how we, um, you know, like, like, look, it just, it just fits the way we've been framing the conversation, right? Like we started, we talk about you as a family man, uh, you know, how you made some, some decisions for your family. Right. And, and right away, you know, that, that put out, um, for, for everyone to hear it and everyone who's watching, um, for, for them to see exactly what it is that you're prioritizing in life, um, despite, you know, uh, d despite the, the, the interesting and, and incredible work, right? Yeah, and I think this, he, listening to you talk too is, is very self-affirming for me. So I appreciate when, when people say things <laughs> that make me feel like, oh yeah. Yes, I'm right you are wonderful, Father so, <laughs> Jacob Bertrand. We are so but, grateful for you. Yeah, often like, you know, as a vocation director talking to young men and other people, but about, you know, what it is that the Lord is asking them to do with their life. Um, and I often give this answer and I've been criticized as for it being too Dominican, but I think it's right and it's good. And I'm a Dominican and you're, if you're talking to a Dominican, you're going to get a Dominican answer. But it's often, you know, we think about like, what does the Lord want me to do? And really a question of a vocation, I think, is it's not a functional question. It's not about doing, though that's important. It's an ontological question. It's about being. It's who is the Lord made me to be. And as a man, as a as a woman, um, we we do we do things that follow on on who we are. So I think that's 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 really insightful. Not to sort of get trapped up in in the sort of work world as work defines whether or not I'm good, whether or not I'm loved, appreciated, all of those sort of things that we desire. Uh, yeah, well, that is, um, and I, not to jump ahead, but in in a book that we might talk about later, <laughs> um, that, that's there's a whole chapter where that's something that I really examine is is in Catholic circles, like we try to baptize the vocabulary of things that so that it allows us to um, to put priorities where they ought not be put, and and. Um, I, I, at least I think, at least I find myself doing that. Let me just own that. I do that. We're, and, and I think one of the big things is talking about our jobs as though it's our vocation. Um, and, and no, it's not. That, that is not a vocation that is recognized by the church. <laughs> Sorry, your job, no matter what your job is, it doesn't matter what your job is. There's the call to holiness and there is the call to religious life and there is, a, or priesthood and, and the call to married life. Those are your vocations. Like your job is not your vocation. Let's stop <laughs> it's more important than it is. It can be very important, great, but it comes after your true vocation. So, yeah. And all God's people said, amen. <laughs> there we go. All right, well, with that hot take, which I absolutely agree with, uh, yet again, self-affirming, thank you for that. We're gonna take, we're gonna take a, a, a quick break here. And then uh, when we return, we are actually going to talk about that book that Kaiser just mentioned. So um, sit tight, Father Patrick, if you're watching on YouTube, he's kind of like creepily raising the book into the into screen, so you might see it there. But uh, stay tuned and we'll be back in, in just a second. You are listening to Godsplaining. Visit us at godsplaining.org to listen to our episodes, shop our store, and donate to our podcast. All gifts go to improving the podcast and bringing the gospel to more listeners. Thanks for your support. Well, friends, thanks again for tuning in to Godsplaining. Um, you're listening to Guest explaining our special episode and joining us today again is Kaiser Johnson. So as we mentioned a little bit um, in the first part of the episode, uh, we've been talking about this 
fantastic book, which Kaiser has written, which has just come out from our Sunday Visitor Press. And it has the very engaging title. And here I'm going to read it so that I say it exactly correctly. How to be miserable and alone or discover a life that truly matters. So Kaiser, uh, how, how does one come to write a book like this? Well, I like to say that it is, um, it's unfortunately a nonfiction book. Um, and uh, it's unfortunately a nonfiction book about my life. Um, and uh, so something that I, I realized and have realized and continue to realize um, in my life and continue to realize while I was writing the book and editing the book and then uh, even and, and now, and I probably will continue to realize for the rest of my life is that um, even as Catholics, even after, so I, I reverted to the, the church in college um, and still, and, and, and throughout my life since then, still find it very easy to kind of slide into taking the advice of, uh, of parties that are not, don't have my best interest at heart. Um, because they're more present in my life and more, uh, and they're louder than the still small voice of God. And um, so there's so many things that I think, again, even as Catholics, that we can look at and we can go, well, yeah, here's how I can see that from a Catholic perspective, or yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. That's what I want to do. And kind of like what we were talking about, about saying, calling your job, your vocation. And then like, it just, it makes it your vocation. It, it doesn't make it your vocation just because you call it your vocation. Um, but th that there's all this advice that I've taken in my life at, at various points, um, that was supposed to make me happy and was supposed to fulfill me. And I found it didn't do that. And if I really looked to the advice of the saints, um, the advice of the church, um, the advice of scripture, um, it told exactly the opposite story. And, uh, and that that is where I find happiness and that is where I find fulfillment. And that is where God fixes uh, my broken heart is when I listen to the voice of God and not these other voices that don't have my best interest at heart. So that's kind of how it came about. And I saw like a lot of my friends struggling with a lot of the same things that I'd struggle with. And I was like, right. you guys, you're so stupid, stupid friends. You should just do the right thing. Oh gosh, I don't do that either. I'm listening to the wrong voices too. <laughs> I mean, the book okay. to me, Kaiser, has a little bit of the feel. I don't know if this was an inspiration or not, but to me, the book has a little bit of the same feel as Lost in the Cosmos. Um, Walker Percy's notorious kind of anti self help book. Um, uh, well, <laughs> was that was that an was that an inspiration? Is that on your radar? I wish at all? I could say I had read it and knew it, <laughs> and it was, and I had none of those things are true. So, well, it's a book that listeners um, who enjoy your book will also enjoy. Okay, or vice versa. True, perhaps. <laughs> one one of the things that that I like, or th that caught my attention about the book is how beautifully Patrick, Father Patrick read the title, but the title itself, um, that the word or is, is there, right? That how to be miserable and alone or discover that life truly matters. And one of the, one of the things I think Father Gregory has probably said on other episodes of the podcast, but certainly I've heard him say it that before he entered religious life, he was, I, I'm trying to remember the triptych that he was anxious, 
alone and sad. And after he entered religious life, he's still anxious, alone and sad as if like, you know, entering religious life or finding your vocation or pursuing Christ somehow is like a magic wand. You know, sometimes I think in the spiritual life or in the pursuit of virtue, that's what we're looking for. That like, if I just follow Christ a little bit better, I'll be a little bit happier. Or if I just follow Christ or if I pray a little bit harder then somehow I will, you know, whatever, be a little bit more fulfilled. But, um, I think, I think life kind of teaches us the opposite that those that our Lord transforms those and, and the life of goodness transforms them. But, um, there, there's still a, a longing, right. For the kingdom, for something mm -hmm. that, for that holiness that you're talking about, um, at the first, at the first part of the episode. So I guess that's a long way to ask a question of sort of how in, in writing the book and putting these, the, the, the chapters together and all of that, how, I guess, did that, how has that reality kind of informed your writing, your own life, um, what you would offer to people looking for, you know, that, that sort of escape from the, the dead end secular promises of the world. Yeah. So the, um, it's, it's true that there, there's not like a, if you find yourself all those, those adjectives, what was it? It was, uh, I think alone. anxious, sad and alone or something like that. Something I'm probably making yeah. up, but that's what I remember. Yeah. The anxious, sad and alone is, is that, so allow me to answer that question, not with another question, but with a, an anecdote, which is, I guess, a lot of what I do in the book too, is, um, there's not a, there's not a magic wand to like, just totally just altering the circumstances of your life in following Christ. But there can be um, a grace of altering how you experience those circumstances when you share them with Christ. Um, right. And again, I think about that in regards to, so um, I, uh, when I was 24 years old, I, I uh, had a wedding in the church um, and uh, uh you know, lived with this, you know, with, uh, with a, a, this gal for uh, three and a half years. And, um, and it was, and, and for both of us, and so, you know, I'm not saying anything that, that, <laughs> that um, she wouldn't say too. It was miserable. It was awful. Um, and we, you know, we eventually got a divorce and um, went through the annulment process and the whole, the, 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 marriage aspect of it and the divorce aspect of it and the separation aspect of it, all of it was just awful. Um, the annulment process was one of the most wonderful things I've ever gone through in my life. Um, and one of the most important freeing experiences um, that uh, changed me. And, and in the midst of that, um, so whenever anyone talks about, I, I, I I tend to be really skeptical, skeptical of, of like mysticism and stuff like that. And I know that that's not necessarily a great thing, but I, that is just how, where I'm at right now. Um, More so self-affirmation. Yes. Yeah. So wherever <laughs> anyone uh, talks about uh, like, oh, yeah, I, have, I, I just have this vision or whatever. I'm like, okay, let me try really hard not to roll my eyes. Um, so, so all that said, uh, and not defended, just said, stated, um, in the midst of this kind of worst moments of suffering that I can recall in my life. Um, I had a, what I would classify as kind of a vision. It was a brief vision and, and it wasn't like I saw it there in front of me. Anyway, I'm not going to justify it anymore. I'm just going to explain it. <laughs> and, and it was this, I just, I saw Christ um, and embracing the cross 
And I, you know, I was asking him, I was going, why, why am I being rejected by someone I'm trying to love? And why am I, why does this, why would you put me through this? I'm trying to serve you. What do you, and, and, and his, his reply was the cross and, and, and him embracing it. And he said to me, I'm sharing my life with you. And in, in an instant, my whole experience of what I had just spent the last three and a half years, four years experiencing changed. Um, where again, the circumstances were all the same. Nothing had, had changed as far as what was going on in my life and how complicated and messy and awful it was. But just suddenly I was like, oh, Christ is sharing this intimacy with me of, hey, if you want to know what it's like to fully love someone and not have them love you back, I've been there. I, here I am. I, I'm there with you right now. And it, I, I don't have a good explanation for how it changed everything, but in an instant, it changed my whole perspective on, on everything. And I was like, this is, this is God sharing intimacy with, with me. Um, and, and it, it changed it. I wish I could say that it made me forever, um, super conscientious about not offending God through sin and that kind of thing. That would be great if, if that were the case. Um, and it, it hasn't successfully done that, but it, it, it has totally changed one of the most, the most painful experiences of my life um, into something that, that now it, 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 was, it was a time of God sharing intimacy with me. And um, yeah, that, that God didn't, didn't become, didn't take on human nature so that he could understand what it is to, to suffer and he could understand what it's like for us. Um, God took on human nature so that we could understand him. Yeah, exactly. No, and I, I mean, one of the things that I most appreciated about the book, Kaiser, is exactly that, that kind of like redirection of where we're at to see something more, right? So as a college chaplain, you know, one of, one of the things that I'm just trying, you know, tr trying desperately to say in ways that are convicting and, uh, and able to be heard um, and are uh, not, con not uh, in any way condemnatory. But, but one of the great chapters in the book is against the hookup culture, right? And I just found your take about the, na the nature of human sexuality very refreshing and free. Um, can you say a little bit about, uh, about what you're trying to share in the book? Yeah, so um, let me just flip to there to jog my memory on what I do say. Um, but <laughs> well, in my book, I write. Uh, it's actually, I mean, I know there, there are several chapters where um, I started to talk, I think probably the one you're referring to is get some tonight. How our Correct. Yeah, but I wasn't going to say those words because yes. I'm a Catholic well, priest. Yeah. I'll say <laughs> get some tonight. How hook up all the our ability to love. Um, and and um, yeah, I think, it, and it's something that, that again, it took me a lot of, it took me a shocking amount of painful discovery to just go, oh, someone else knows how to handle this better than me. And it's the church. And there, there's, there's not just a, 
um, not just like, a, oh, well, here are some rules. I guess I should follow those kind of, uh, I'll begrudgingly <laughs> do that. Right. But like, right. this is a way that is inspiring and frees you uh, up to, to actually uh, be this, to be a better person and to be, I, I don't want to miss say this or have people misconstrue what I'm saying, but to be a better lover, um, to be someone who can give love and receive love better. Um, and, and again, would that I just did it better all the time, um, did love better all the time. Um, but that, that when we listen to, um, you know, we, we have this whole, we're right now we're in a, just this, this epidemic of, of, problems around our sexuality in our culture and 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 especially in regards to hookup culture you know we there's everything from i mean again like rampant sexual assault and um all this stuff that comes out through whether it's through the the me too movement or the all, yes right. all women movement or um or stuff that we just encounter in people with people that we know like you know so many people like if women who i've talked to who they're, they like really criticize the yes, all women movement or the me too movement or, uh, or, or that kind of thing. Um, but they still go, Oh yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I've been stalked by guys before. Oh yeah. I've got run off the road by a guy before who just you know, rolled down his window and was like, you're hot. And then drove off. And, uh, yeah, I guess it's kind of scary to be alone anywhere where there's, you know, uh, if, if and I'm like, wait, th th how are you describing this as like, Oh yeah, that's just kind of, it's, kind of the dues paying of being a person. And it's like, it's not right. for most people who aren't women, I guess. And um, so that, that, and all of it stems from this, this problem. And again, whether it's that or contraception or abortion or our, uh, or, or sexual assault or uh, abuse or all these things, it all stems from us not understanding what we really want in, in, in our hearts and what really frees us up to, to, to love another person properly. Um, and if we can just get that right, so much more of it falls into place. Again, not perfectly. We still make mistakes. We're human, but some things become unthinkable to us. Um, and, and some of these worst aspects of the, the disorders that are, that have been given to us in our fallen human nature, um, become unthinkable we go i would you know like what yeah i bring up you know the question of like henry cavill you know, all the flack that he got oh, a year and a half ago about you know saying in gq australia that he he's like well you know you can't go chat up a woman because if she says no you know and you keep pursuing her she's like he was trying to rape me and uh, and if you don't then and then she's like why didn't you pursue me more why didn't you go past my no and, and <laughs> right so, yeah that's right like, well uh, yeah, because the problem is that we've set up a, a, a situation where um, <laughs> we, we've set up like all these problems, all these disordered ways of, of behaving around people uh, and people that we're interested in um, that it, it, it that yes, there is a, this, this scenario of uh, we're just we're tending towards uh, having sexual assault in our hearts of taking, right, right. Giving, um, mm, right. of lust rather than love. And so it's not surprising that someone, even if you didn't touch them or you didn't, uh, assault them could still have this icky feeling about how you treated them. And, um, so 
again, I don't, I kind of talked around that a lot. I don't know if I answered the question, but <laughs> you I, did. Absolutely. Now, as we kind of, uh, you know, as we kind of like, uh, you know, bring things together here at the end, um, you know, what is the, you know, you're not going to give away all of your 12 tricks, um, to finding a life, a life that truly matters, but what is the, uh, you know, what is the one message that you want people to, to find, to take away from or, or, if we don't want to say like the ultimate thing, what is one, what is one, one point, one moment in the book that you think really conveys what the project is about? Well, I mean, I, I started with a chapter called the universe has a plan and end it with a chapter called you're in control. Um, and I think that's kind of the, they do serve to, and I had some help with the editor of laying it out like that, uh, which is great. So uh, thank you, uh, Rachel Martin, for, for that. Rebecca Martin, excuse me. Oops, Rebecca Martin, thank you for helping me with that. Um, but the, I think that's kind of the, the, the place to go, it, to, to start and, and end is like, um, start there of giving God, trusting God with, with, and in, in, just as I say it, it sounds so like cliched and trite and whatever, but just of going, okay, I'm going to trust you, God, and help me trust you because I don't know how to do that well. Um, and, and then also listening to God's messengers, you know, the, listen to the saints, listen to the, to the church um, and don't act like we've got to get, get this all figured out for ourselves. There are, you know, nothing is new under the sun. I got a whole chapter about Solomon in there too, or, or this heavily focused on Solomon and what a miserable and alone person he was, even though he had everything he ever wanted. Um, right. And that if we can just know that someone has walked this road before and, um, and there are those who have walked this road before who have um, come out of it saints and the most joyful people that you can imagine um, maybe we ought to listen to their advice instead of people who are still down in the, the muck of it and trying to figure out, you know, I don't know. Yeah, you should. Why, it doesn't make any sense why you, you can't just sleep with anybody randomly. And, and then there's some kind of, you know, like it, it makes it hard to commit to the next person that you're in a relationship with. Like, why are we taking that advice? Let's take the advice of people who found something inspiring and joyful. So anyway, there you go. That's it. That's great. Thanks very much. That's, that's really great. Um, yeah. So for those of you listening or those of you watching, um, definitely check out Kaiser's book. Um, you can grab it on Amazon. Father Patrick is giving it another lovely display, right? How to be miserable. And there's Kaiser. See, they're, they're both doing their jobs of advertising their books Maybe and a book that you should copy, check out. Father. We, here, hang on. Let me hand it to you. I'm just going to hand it to you over here. I don't know. Oh, there it is. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Wow. Wow. Time travel book. The book even time travels, guys. You got to check it out. You really have to check it out. How to be miserable and alone or discover a life that that truly matters by Kaiser Johnson. Get it on Amazon. Also, if you are listening to the episode and you leave a comment, we'll do a little giveaway through God's planning. We're going to give away a few copies of his book too. So Father Patrick, uh, before he, he takes us out, 
I'm making this little announcement that uh, if you leave a comment on our podcast, um, we will draw a raffle and uh, or draw names, whatever. I don't know. I don't draw. Do you draw a raffle? No, you don't. You enter a raffle and you make a drawing from the raffle. But in any case, we'll give away some of some of uh, a few copies of Kaiser's book. So um, that's that's my announcement. Father Patrick will take the rest. Perfect. Well, I didn't write them down, Father Jacob Bertrands. You might be well, frustrated if I forget some. I'll have to come, jump back in then, I'm sure. Uh, just a general <laughs> thank you to everyone who supports the podcast. Uh, we appreciate especially um, those who are able to support us financially on our Patreon. Um, if you are willing, you know, we certainly would want you to um, like and support this episode and share more about our podcast. Um, Kaiser, you know, you have many projects going on. You know, we'd like uh, we'd like to invite you too to you know, to give like a final word to some of those, how can people follow you and stay with you and support what, what you're working on? Yeah, um, I would love it if they would check out my website. It's kaiser-johnson.com, kaiser-johnson.com. Um, there you can sign up for my email list. It, you know, it's super low pressure. It's like once a month that I send something out, but it tells you about all the stuff that I've got going on. Um, and also uh, I'm of like social media platforms. I'm most active on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and that's at Kaiser Johnson on both of those, but the best way to stay on top of, uh, if you want to read more that I write or see more things that I've acted in or, or that kind of thing, that's kaiser-johnson.com and sign up there. Awesome. Well, thank you again. We really appreciate, uh, appreciate you being on the episode with us today uh, for our guest explaining. We're so proud of that name. For the guest explaining episode of God's Plan. You know, Father, we've said it like three times. So in the in the future, you know, we hope to only expand the kinds of splainings that we might be able to do. Mm-hmm. Like coffee splaining or beer splaining, I think would be on the on the future for us. Dream big. But uh, yeah, that's right. Um again, a word of thanks to to everyone who supports the show. Um please know of our prayers for you, and we beg your prayers for us. God bless. Thanks for listening to God's Planning, a work of the Dominican Friars of the Province of St. Joseph. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Leave a review on your podcast app and visit us at godsplaining.org.